Well, listen, I want to thank all of you for the appreciation that you gave Angie and I as your pastors uh, last week, I guess through the month of October, if you will. I want to say thank you so much for that. Uh, in watching the video and just the statements and, and of course, the, the messages that were sent to me, the text messages and so on, where people uh, said they appreciated all that we do, the one thing that, that stood out so much about that was that people didn't refer to just, just um, what we'd done in their life, but the fact of reflecting upon that we've shared Christ with them. And when I think about it, um, I think about my kids, I think about this church, I think about the people's lives that Angie and I have had the privilege of being a part of and sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus, you know, sharing the love of Christ. Um, that's the one thing that probably uh, speaks to my heart the most is when people are saying back to me, you know, uh, you really showed me how to pursue the Lord or, you know, it was really, um, you know, the way that you shared about Jesus or talked about Jesus or uh, taught me about Jesus that, that without that, I, I don't think I'd be following Jesus right now. Um, you know, if there's a legacy that I want to leave behind, that would be it. Can you say amen? If there's a legacy I want to leave behind, I'm going to leave a legacy that I followed Christ and I helped others to follow Christ. Say make disciples. See, that's really what uh, it's all about. It's all about making disciples. It's all about teaching other people how to follow Christ. Teaching other people how to love God and how to love each other. I refer to our vision all the time. You all know it. Um, somebody told me one time, uh, you know, when you're communicating to people that when you're getting tired of it, in other words, I say it and I'm like, man, they hear me say this all the time. Do they ever get tired of it? Well, when I get tired of it, you're just getting it. <laughs> How many of you know that the vision here to love God, love others, and make disciples really, it's what Jesus told us to do. Isn't that right? And so I remember, I remember being in Ohio and the Lord began to speak to me about the church that I would pastor and what the vision would be. And I remember writing these things down and just, just putting them down. And then there was this phrase that came to me that really it's, it's three C's. Say three C's. three C's. And here's how they break down. Two commands, one commission. It breaks down to two commands, one commission. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and all our strength, if we love him that way, and love our neighbor as ourself, okay? So if I'm loving God that way, the love of God is in my life, and therefore the way I love others is going to be the way God loves me. You see that? There's something influential about that. There's an impact that that makes, that when God's love has impacted me to that degree, and I'm sharing that kind of love, it has a way of, of just drawing that person to who? To Jesus. And the one thing that's made me happiest in my lifetime, uh, you know, I've seen the whole thing where folks want to talk about the pastor, so they honor last week, great, but I've seen it to where it's all about the pastor and it's all about that name. And let me tell you that it's all about the name Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name given under he heaven whereby men must be saved, and that's at the name of Jesus Christ, every, every knee will bow and tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord, is what the Bible says. And so where we keep Christ in, in, in that exalted place, that place of honor. So while I appreciate all the, the pastor appreciation, if you will, I want to say, can I give all that back to Jesus? Because it is by his grace that I do what I do. Paul the, Paul the Apostle referred to the fact that, 
that he ministered according to the grace given to him by God. And that grace was given to him through who? Jesus Christ. You have grace in your life from Jesus Christ, from God, excuse me, through Jesus Christ, through the work of Christ. You have a grace in your life. And that grace comes with a gifting. God's gifted you to make an impact for his kingdom. He's gifted you to reflect Jesus Christ to others. He's gifted us as a church body to reflect Jesus Christ, not only to one another, but to the greater community of Colorado Springs, and then beyond that, to Colorado, and beyond that. That's why we have a church in Black Forest, Colorado. I don't know if you knew this, Black Forest doesn't consider itself Colorado Springs. You all know that, right? If you go up and hang out with folks up there, no, we're, this is the forest. This isn't Colorado Springs. Even though they're, you know, kind of an offshoot of Colorado Springs, if you sit and talk to folks up there, no, we're in the forest. You all are in the springs, we're in the forest. I mean, and that's kind of how they feel about it. So even when we planted that church, uh, when we launched that church, there was about 30 people from, from this congregation that went out. And for a year, for a year, I would preach out there. So we'd go out there and I would preach. And, 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 and about 70-some people came out. And it was great launching that. And the worship team here is doing worship out there. They would leave shortly after the worship so they could make it back here, so they could kick that off here. I would finish preaching out there. I would you know, hug some folks, shake some hands. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Hey, I got to run to the next campus. And they understood that what we were doing is we we're reaching beyond just this local church. Why? Because Jesus Christ told us to go. Everything that I'm defining for you today really falls under this statement. It falls under living your life to leave a legacy. Living your life to leave a legacy. And we don't just live for the here and now, we live for future generations. See, when we think about Abraham, which the Bible defines him as being the father of our faith. Did you all know that? Give me an amen if you knew that. Yeah. Abraham is the father of our faith. Do you know that he's the father of many nations? Did you know that? Did you know that Abraham is the father of the the Right now, the nations of, of Islam, did you know that he's their father? He produced Ishmael, right? Of the bondservant, Hagar. And when he produced her, it's like, yeah, you know, they were cursed. And you know what? Uh, he was not the promised son, but he was a son of Abraham. And the reality is, is that Hagar, when, when it comes to this point, when he sends her out because uh, Ishmael was trying to kill Isaac, which was born of Sarah, Sarai, who became Sarah, who was the promised son, that God said, I'll give you a son. When God promised that to Abraham, who is aged, Sarah is beyond the years of childbirth, and God does a miracle in her, and Isaac comes. But, but while God was working his plan out, uh, they got impatient. Anybody ever get impatient in your walk with God? Things you think ought to be a certain way? Yeah, let me tell you, that's how you mess your legacy up. <laughs> How do I know that? Because the rest of us are watching, we're watching the whole world, man. The fight that we, we watch go on. Even with the elections, you know, going on right now, you understand that you've got Ishmael still trying to kill Isaac, right? Did you all know that? You got all this conflict in the world that really traces right back to that situation. And even though Abraham left a great legacy, he's also got this one tracking where he messed up. Come on now. 
That's why God sent his son to die on the cross. It wasn't just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles. Isn't that right? Every nation, tribe, and tongue. Do you believe that? I'm not convinced. Do you believe that today? Do you believe Jesus came and died for the whole world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son... Sarah will have a child. It took a miracle for that child to come forth. Abraham is a type of the father God. Isaac is a type of the son. Sarai or Sarah is a type of the church. The the, the gospel being preached is the only hope that what God promised through his son Jesus Christ will come about in this world. So if we silence ourselves, if we stop going... If we stop proclaiming the word of God, if we stop proclaiming Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, what happens is the kingdom of God doesn't advance. Everything becomes clouded and confused, and the world loses its way. Now, while I say that, you may not know this, but do you know there's more people being born again today? There's more people coming to Christ today than ever before. Did you know that? It's where the gospel is being preached. So while we'll go back to the 19, you know, late 60s, 70s, take prayer and Bible reading out of schools, let's remove God from everything, and we're still on this run to remove God from everything possibly can be removed in America. And we wonder why we see this falling away, taking place in America. But while that's taking place, the gospel is advancing around the world and more people are coming to Christ today than any, any other time in history. You know, China is, is in revival. Did you all know that? You, you all understand they're a communist government. Did everybody know that? Did you know that Jesus is not hindered by the type of government that a nation has? Did you know that? Every nation, tribe, and tongue go into all the world. Let me me give it to you this way. We'll read it out of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I want you to keep in mind, living to leave a legacy. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, say all authority, authority. has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Again, two commands, one commission. Right now we're in the commission, and he's reflecting on what's your commission to teach all that Jesus commanded. What was that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And lo, that means, hey, listen up. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I am with you always. Jesus ascended into heaven, led captivity captivity captive, and gave gifts to men, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? Go, therefore, and make disciples. Doing what? Teaching them to obey all I've commanded you to do. Teaching them to love me, meaning Jesus, to love God, and teaching them to love others. Now, which do you find easier to do? Is it easier to love God than it is to love others? Or easier to love others than it is to love God? What do you think? 
Easy to love God. Why is that? Let me get a couple answers on that. Why is it easy to love, why is it easy to love God, Connor? Okay. Very good. Someone else? Come on, don't be shy. He's holy. Okay. Love this first. People let you down, but not God. What's that? Others can be evil. Say that again. His love is unconditional. Now, having heard all of that, most of that came from folks who have worked that out. Wouldn't you agree? How many of you ever, before you got saved, shook your fist at God and blamed him for everything going wrong in your life? <laughs> Did you find it easy to love God in those moments in your life? No. Because you didn't have a revelation. And do you know that, here, let's do it this way. Angie, give me a tissue. That a revelation is this. A revelation is simply when something is unveiled and that's why the the word of god says that if our gospel if if our gospel uh be veiled what is it it's veiled to those who are what perishing because they're perishing most people don't see god as someone that they want to relate to simply because he's veiled to them but when the holy spirit who was sent into this earth and, and let me say that the holy spirit has come to convict the world of sin. Well, that doesn't sound like good news, does it? And when you say to somebody, you're in sin, woohoo, right? When someone told you, you know, like, for instance, let's put it this way. When someone said, well, look, you know, uh, you know, God wouldn't want you smoking. God wouldn't want you cussing. God wouldn't want you drinking. God doesn't want you partying. God doesn't want you to do this. And God doesn't want you to do that, right? Come on. Who heard the gospel that way, kind of the first phase of their you know, right? I heard it that way, that if, hey, if you don't get baptized in water, part of the Great Commission, right? Baptizing name in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? So I got that from my grandpa. If you don't get baptized in water, then you're going to go to hell. If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Y'all know that one? Right? People who go out witnessing, like, hey, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? You know, most people don't like who are you in the first place? And you're asking me, you know, if I was to die tonight, what are you talking about my death for? You know, I mean, that's a pretty personal question, don't you think? How many of you talk about death to strangers? Getting me? So there's a way to be a witness. That's probably not it. So, so my grandpa tells me that, but here's the deal. At 19 years old, someone, well, a pastor preaches the word of God. I'm in church with Angie's parents. I'd had this encounter with God, but I still didn't know what I was, what, what's this all about? And all of a sudden in that message, I have an issue of my life. Did you know that Jesus ministered to the issues of people's lives? See, the great commission he gave us to go and teach them to obey all I've commanded. Look, love God. Why? Because he first loved us. You start to hear that and it's like, wait a minute, how did he love me? Because he sent his son to die on the cross in my place. See, that's a little bit different than, look, if you don't get baptized in water, you'll go to hell. And all your flesh is, I mean, you're talking about a 12-year-old kid. Because, see, in, in the church I grew up in, once you turn 12, you're at the age of accountability. And if you don't make that decision then, then you're going to hell. 
He's like, okay, man, I'll do it. You know, you want me to buy fire insurance? You know, I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Go in the water. Hey, man, I'm good to go. But I didn't know anything. I knew something about God. He would send me to hell if I didn't get baptized in water. I didn't know how much he loved me. I didn't understand that he was Abba, Father. That the Spirit of God came. And the Spirit definitely convicted me of my sin. But see, the, the Spirit convicted me of my sin when I heard the gospel. That God so loved me that he gave his son to die on the cross for me. And that he wanted to be my father. And because I grew up and didn't really have a father in my life, I had men in my life, but they weren't really fathers. My grandpa was the closest thing I had, but he's the one telling me, if you don't get baptized in water, you're going to hell. And I, I love it. I thank God he taught me to fear the Lord because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But it's the beginning of wisdom. When you come to know the love of God, there's something completing about that. See, I could see that I don't measure up, but how in the world am I ever going to measure up? And the more I read the word, guess what I, I realized? The more it seemed like I couldn't measure up. But when I was told about the love of God, there was a revelation. Something was unveiled. The gospel was unveiled. See, Romans uh, 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That when the gospel's proclaimed for what it is, hey, God wants a loving relationship with you. And oh, by the way, that loving relationship he wants with you, he wants you to have that relationship with others. He wants you to be as kind and compassionate and as honest and merciful and gracious to others as he has been to you. Can you say amen? I need, would you? Bring me some water. <clears throat> so, today we're going to talk about missions. You got a card. Hold your card up. If you don't have a card, they'll bring you one. Because I'm going to ask everybody to take a step of, of uh, obedience today. All right. If you don't have one, they'll bring one. Raise your hand if you don't have one, they'll bring you one. We've got a few people. living to leave a legacy. Listen to Psalms 112, 5 through 6 here. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. Say never. never. How many of you have ever been shaken? I've been shaken. Listen to this. You'll never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. That, that to me speaks of legacy. That to me says that this person is living for more than themselves. They're living for those who come after them. See, as Abraham did, here's what happened. You know when God promised Abraham, he promised him, he goes, I'm going to give you a, a son, and when all this happens, then I'm also going to give you what's called the promised land. That, by the way, that's what they're fighting over, right? Still fighting over that land. God declared that to belong to Abraham all those years ago, thousands, and say thousands, and thousands, and thousands of years ago. And the fight's still going on. And so uh, Abraham, though, here's the thing. You know that he trusted and believed God for what he promised, and it wasn't really for himself. Do you know that it wasn't for uh, Isaac either, really? And did you know that it wasn't even for Jacob? 
He was believing for them, but Abraham knew when he signed on, which meant that his offspring, in other words, I'm leaving you guys this legacy. I'm going to believe, not because God says this, it'll be the fourth generation that enters into the promise. When God said, I'm going to give you this, he said, and it'll be the fourth generation that enters in. That's living beyond himself, see? That's Abraham saying, you know what, God, I'll, I'll take hold of that promise that you said that my offspring, that, that, that it'll be as the stars of the heaven and the sands, you know, by the sea. And he believed for the fourth generation. And here comes Isaac along, and Abraham's telling Isaac, hey, uh, by the way, God promised me this, and it's, it's, it's for who? The f- You're not even going to experience the fullness of that. Now, they experienced the blessing of God, but they didn't experience the fullness of God's promise It was the fourth generation that entered in. You see where I'm coming from there? They lived their life to leave a legacy. Legacy means this, inheritance as to a will or to bequeath. Anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. That's exactly Abraham's promise this and it's handed down to Isaac and then it's handed down to Jacob and then the Generation comes along, and, but, but we know this, because of unbelief, the fourth generation comes along. Did you know that they didn't actually, the fourth generation didn't actually, all of men are in? There was a couple of them that entered in. Do you know their names? Anyone? Joshua and Caleb. Because when they got to the moment that was promised to Abraham, the Bible says that they, they had unbelief in their heart. And what happens, Moses says, they're in captivity, all this is going on, and, and Moses comes along, and what Moses says is he says, look, we're going to send 12 spies in. Now, you know that story. Out of the 12, 10 come back and say, man, there's giants in the land. There was a couple of them that were saying, man, the grapes, they're like as big as your fist. And I mean, they're talking about the plenty and the promise and the blessing that God said that it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. Basically, uh, where the Bible says, eat the fat and drink the sweet, um, they're like, man, the fat and the sweet is on site. Let's go get it. But 10 of them are saying, there's no way. We can't beat them. They're they're giants. And what they do is they wander in the wilderness until almost all of them die, and that's exactly what God says. But Caleb and Joshua, because they believe, they entered into the promised land with a whole bunch of young whippersnappers. They didn't have the experience that the ones that were there on the first round had. They didn't have the life experience, if you will. There were a bunch of young people dwelling out in the wilderness. <laughs> but they entered into that promised land that God gave them, and they did it by faith. That's why when we hear the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. That that, if our gospel, what did I do with my little, well, right? If our gospel be <laughs> If our gospel be veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. But something happens when faith comes in the heart of a person. That what it does is it allows you to enter, enter your promised land. Let me say it to you again. Legacy, inheritance, as to will or bequeath. Anything handed down from the past, from an ancestor or predecessor. Jesus Christ is our predecessor of the promised life that God has given us. And when we have that revelation who he is in our lives, what happens is, is we get to take hold of the promise of God in our life. Now, with that, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. What we leave behind is for the benefit of others. 
What we leave behind is for the benefit of of others. The example we set for others, if you will, to follow. Now think about Jesus giving the Great Commission. He had done the work. It was finished on the cross. He said it is finished. He's buried in a grave and he resurrects from the dead. And what does he do? He leaves or bequeaths that to us. The Bible says you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That all that Christ has, he gives to us. It's like, well, he gives everything he has just to little old me. No, together, what happens is, is all that Christ has is bestowed upon his people. And as we love God and love each other, we begin to experience everything that heaven secured for us as an inheritance on the cross. But the only way we experience that is to obey all that he's commanded us to do. When we obey that, and that being challenged, I find that when I came to faith, my greatest challenge is not recognizing or knowing God's love for me or having a love for him. It's actually walking it out in me and towards others. And nothing challenges my walk with God more than walking with others. Come on now. How many of you ever been ticked off at somebody? Angry. How many of you sinned when you were angry? Said things you shouldn't have said. It's at that moment that you know your, things are in the balance. It's being tested. You know, do I love God? Yes, I love God so much, but that person now, right? If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you have children or you have a mom and dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because nothing will test us more than our closest neighbors. If we can master that to our closest, if I can master what I have with my wife, if I can master what I have with my children, where it comes to God's love being manifest in my life, the way he is towards me, I am towards her, vice versa, she is towards me. The way that I am towards my children, I raise them to be that way towards me. Somebody just posted a post, I think it was two days ago, and they talked about, uh, the article talked about the importance of uh, being an example of repentance to our children. And I know I've shared in the past, I've not always been happy with my kids. They don't clean their room, they don't do their chores or whatever. There's times when you, you know, you need to get it done, you need to do that, you need to do that, you need to do that, you need to do that. Come here, I'm going to make you do, you know, <laughs> right? You kind of, poof, your top blows and you, you know, and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Those moments when we feel, why did I do that? Because they're, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. See, Here's the thing I say, people who come to me and they're like, I just, I don't know if God can forgive me, I just did something so bad, and I just don't know if God can do it. And it's like, you know, the fact that you're so broken over that tells me he can. The question is, are you willing to repent? Come on now. And see, what, how do our kids learn to repent? How do we leave a legacy for them, if you will, of God's teaching? We leave, leave a legacy best when we're living it. And we live our life to leave the legacy. And then when I'd mess up with my kids, and I'd come to them and I'd say, Daddy's so sorry, and I'd kneel down in front of them, and I'd be, Daddy's so sorry, I shouldn't have yelled like that. It's okay, Daddy, they would say. Any of your kids ever done that? Because nobody's as quick to forgive as a child. Their hearts tend to be uh, pure and, and, and tender. But it can harden really fast if you don't model for them how to keep it soft. Come on now. And I'd kneel down and they'd go, Daddy, it's okay. Why? Because they love me. And that moment comes, you know what? It's not okay. When I would say to them, it's not okay. 
but I want to ask you, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I remember a couple times, Angie and I, you know, uh, I mean, I love the relationship that we have. You know, we get along all the time. <laughs> we actually do, even when we don't, right? Because love, that's the thing, see. God doesn't like everything you're doing. He's not coming, you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing this, you need to stop doing that. He's saying, you know what? I'd like you to love on me a little more. And watch how that begins to shift and change. You get where I'm coming from. It's okay, Daddy. No, it's not okay. But would you forgive me? Yes, Daddy. Now, look, here's what I want you to do, honey. You know, that we're talking three, four, five years old when they're just starting to get, and pray for Daddy. Well, they can't really play, pray a, a you know, real theological prayer, right? It's like, Jesus, thank you for my daddy. Bless him, amen. See, one of the, the things that I have heard the most when people have honored Angie and I is they love what kind of parents we are. They love how we've been with our children. And while it has not been perfect, they've seen us model in front of them how to love each other and how to love our children. I want to challenge all of us in this room today, married, parents, or not, single, listen to this. One day you won't be. And when you're not, live in such a way that those that are following you and watching your life, live in such a way that they have a legacy, that you've left them with something. Think about how much our kids honor us now and thank us for the way we raise them, right? Boy, they weren't thanking us in their teen years. <laughs> oh, controlling and, you know, oh, you're just controlling. You don't let me have my freedom. We took their cell phones for two months one time. And Angie and I both took turns. She would, she would, uh, she would uh, stay awake at night and watch over, and then I would stay awake at night and watch over. We were just scared to death they were going to stab us in our sleep. <laughs> now, no, it may not have been that bad, but I'll tell you this, man. I, I, I'll tell you, we were like, we, we need to exercise the demon out of our kids. It was like, holy moly, man. You, you took your cell phones away. Rah! You know, it's like, whoa. Glad we did that. Let <laughs> yeah. me see what kind of sites you've been on. Is there like, you know, invite a demon into your life through this cell phone? Is that what it is? Because, man, they were angry. But we watch and see the whole thing is, it's like, and parents, please take this. And by the way, this is for everyone. Angie and I literally have to discipline each other and discipline ourselves where it comes to, you ever been out to eat with your spouse and you got your phone and all of a sudden you're on your phone? Oh, none of you do that. I, <laughs> your kids, you're like, good Lord, right? Yeah, I'm talking about leaving a legacy here. And that's going to come back to the way you live. It's going to come back to the example you set because people are going to follow that. How many of you avoid witnessing and sharing about Jesus following the Great Commission because you're not following the two commands? Y'all hear me? How often do we say, ah, I really don't want to say anything because I know I'm not, so I probably better not say anything because then what will happen? Well, I'll tell you what, there is nothing the world will hold you accountable. When you start talking Jesus, it's amazing how much they know. 
Now start holding you accountable. It's like, I thought you said you're a Christian. Come on now. That's why when the church messes things up and you know it's in the media or whatever, well, the world's all over that, aren't they? Yeah, you bunch of hypocrites. Right. Just a bunch of people working out our salvation, hopefully with fear and trembling, unto the very God we'll give accountability to. Listen, it is making an investment that lives beyond our own life. Making the investment. So here, let me give you this. The two-question test. Say the two-question test. Two-question test. Here we are. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So here's the first question. What did you do with my son, Jesus? You're going to give an account. One of those things is going to be, what did you do with his son, Jesus? Revelations 20, 11 through 12 says this. Then I saw a great white throne with him who sat on it from, uh, uh, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book and here's Matthew so that's the dead basically those that didn't get saved this is how the judgment came for them here's our judgment as as believers Matthew 7:21 through 23 not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the ones who do, who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles then I will tell them plainly, say plainly, I never knew you, away from you, me, you evildoers. In other words, it's like, well, how can you, you know, all those things, miracles and, and prophecy, and you're doing these things that God's word says, yeah, that's the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the believer. <laughs> the gifts, it's something given. Salvation is a gift, it's given to us. The gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit is a gift in our life. When we get saved and we invite the Holy Spirit to come in and we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and then comes with him all his gifts and we can prophesy, we can lay hands on the sick, they'll recover, miracles can be done, all those things can be done, but you got to understand, you're not doing the miracles. It's the Holy Spirit in you doing those things. But we're judged. Listen to this again. And I'll say them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Do. What are we doing? What are we doing with our salvation? What are we doing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? What are we doing with regard to the Holy Spirit where it comes to living in the fruit of the Spirit? Because the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, temperance, long-suffering. How are we treating other people? See, love God. I love God, and, and God loves me, and I have this relationship, but does it translate into me living the way that Jesus lived to be an example to others, to leave a legacy for their life that they might come to know Christ. What did I do with his son? What did I do with Jesus? If I say that he's my Lord and Savior, did I share him with other people? The second one, what did you do with what I gave you? There's the gifts, there's the blessings, there's the salvation, all that God has bestowed upon us. 
2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What are we doing with our life? Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done, or she for that matter. This is in the, the, the form of mankind reference. So, what does it take? What does it take to live a life, to leave, leave a legacy? Live for eternity now. Live for eternity now. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. There's no denying God. God sets it in our, we know that he's there. And we can stand in defiance. If our gospel be veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. People who choose not to acknowledge God and what he's done through his son Jesus Christ. They'll remain in that place of defiance towards God. But there is still a knowledge. How do I know that? How many of you, before you were born again, before you gave your heart to Jesus, how many of you ever used God's name in vain? How about Jesus? You know, you said Jesus Christ, but you didn't say it with affection. Right? You said God and you understood something about being damned, but it just wasn't quite coming out that way. You understand what I'm saying? Come on now. I'm not cussing here. I'm trying to point out the obvious. How many of you work with people who do that all the time? I remember saying to a guy who was an atheist one time, you know, he's like, oh, that Christian, that, that garbage, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he would just rail on it. And, uh, but, you know, every other word out of the guy's mouth was, you know, God's, you know, GD or it was Jesus Christ, you know, in a, in a very derogative way. And so one day I said, man, I, I honestly think you believe in God more than I do. <laughs> and he said, he goes, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm just telling you that I think you believe in God more than I, and Jesus Christ. No, I don't, I don't believe in them. I said, you could have fooled me, man. He's like, what have I done to make you think that? I said, well, you call on their name way more than I do. And you're more, you're more outward and public about it than I am. I mean, you just like throw it out there for everybody to hear. And he went. I said, if you don't believe him, why are you talking to him all the time? Why are you talking about him all the time? He's like, shut up. (laughs) That was an atheist I led to the Lord. I'm not joking. About six months later, he came to Christ. His whole life was changed and transformed. We've got to be. See, see, the whole thing is, is that in those moments, I'm always looking at, this guy is a professed atheist, wants nothing to do with God. Lord, show me how to reach his heart. Because if I could win an atheist, someone who can sit and talk about, man, I used to be an atheist, but I had an encounter with Christ, and it changed my life, and now I'm a believer. You get what I'm saying? Paul the Apostle was that way. I mean, he was killing Christians. He had an encounter with Christ. (laughs) After that encounter, he was struck blind, by the way. But after that encounter, you know it took a believer to help Paul know what he needed to do? Do you know that? Paul couldn't have gone where he went and done what he did without another believer having an effect on him, someone having an effect on him concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. As Ananias, and here's, here's what happens. Um, he, uh, he, um, 
he hears God speak to him, hey, I'm sending Paul to you, Saul to you, excuse me, Saul, I'm sending him to you, dot, 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 uh, he's had an encounter with me, so on and so on, and I want you to, to, to show him what he needs to do. Now, here's, and that's paraphrase big time because I ain't got time to go into it, but, but here's what happens. Uh, the believer said, you talking about that, that guy killing all the Christians? Uh, yeah, I'm not cool with that, God, Right? But he encourages him, and of course, he, he does exactly what God tells me to do. He meets up with Paul, and then, of course, Paul, man, Paul starts to make an effect. He plants churches, raises leaders, and makes an impact for the kingdom of God that, that frankly, dwarfs, dwarfs the other apostles. Why? Because I believe that Paul was so on his road going his way that his encounter with Jesus and his encounter with other believers and, and of course them, Aquila and Priscilla showed Paul the way more excellently is what Paul says about him. Without those other believers, Paul could not have done what he did. They were leaving their legacy so that Paul could leave his legacy. Their legacy as we read the scriptures, their, the impact of their legacy on us should cause us to leave a legacy. Because when I tell you about the atheist who used God's name more than, more than I did, who used Jesus' name more than I did, you know, oftentimes we, we just like, yeah, they'll never get saved, and we just kind of walk our way. And the reality is, is we need to say, God, show me how I can make an impact on that person. You know, countless, countless people. I get uh, texts and emails, you know, all the time about, hey, you know, I wanted you to know that I gave my heart to Jesus and and you share with me back here, dot, dot, dot. Let me say that that is the legacy of the Great Commission, that Jesus died on the cross. And that Great Commission is all about him saying, hey, I died there to leave a legacy. He's defining that legacy. My legacy is a legacy of loving God and loving others, so much so that I would die for them. Let me ask you, who are you willing to die for? Who are you willing to sacrifice your life for? So we need to live for eternity now. First, we need to be willing to do this. I will intentionally give what I have. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, uh, through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let me say that giving in the church, has always, it's always been a part of the church. Why? Because Jesus defined it that you can't serve God and mammon. You'll love the one and you'll hate the other. So when, God, when, when, when we preach and we speak about your finances and we speak about the things that you have and we say to you, hey, you need to give, you need to understand that that's because Jesus defined it. We give. We give tithe and we give offer. We give into missions and things like that. Why? Because it's the way God chose to partner with us. So that he can bless us. That you'll have enough to give into every good work. That's what this passage is saying. That when you become a partner with God, God's going to make sure that you get blessed. Why? So that you have enough to give into every good work. Why? So that you can establish the kingdom of God. How do I know that? Because Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, it's he, say he. Now say God. Because it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. Who in here wants to be poor? All right, talking about money, so you are really like, oh, come on. None of us want to be poor. 
We're going to go a little bit longer this morning, but I want to challenge us as a church. A church in America is going backwards in giving. It's going backwards in the advance of the gospel. It's, it, it's given more than any other nation. The church in America has given more than any other church around the world. But we see this pulling back going on. Why? We see the, the, the fighting that's going on over benefits, entitlements, all these different things, and, and, and the squabble is over the wrong thing. Because when our heart is set to God, God takes care of us. I believe the reason why America is the most blessed nation on the planet is because we embrace the Great Commission. Do you know when, when the Korean War took place, when, when we were leaving Korea, do you know what the general, I can't remember his name, but there was a general that was there. Uh, Doyle, you're a history buff. Do you remember him? No? Raleigh? No? I can't remember his name. But during the Korean War, when they were, when they were uh, getting ready to leave, here's what happened. He said, America, send missionaries. Why? Because the void that is here will have to be filled with something that's far greater than what we've done. In other words, we came in and we did what we did for the purpose of establishing freedom to, to whatever degree it can be, but the one who died, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died on the cross to provide freedom. And the gospel is what will change the heart of people. When you think about uh, everything going on in the world, all the wars that are going on, we get in this thing to where mankind's trying to manipulate this and make it work, but the reality is this. They who live by the sword will die by the sword. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have an army, it doesn't, uh, a navy, air force, which, military. Yes, we should, to protect the sovereignty of our nation, to, to have security and all those things. But, but ultimately, if we're not preaching the gospel, let me tell you, you'll have more wars to fight than we can fight. Y'all getting me here? You got to preach the gospel. You got to fund the gospel. You know, I think about the, the tax dollars that keep rising on everything else. Let's even, even throw this one in here where it comes to, to giving. Do you know that, uh, that, that before people actually would enter the, the, the temple, when they would come to the temple, do you know that they would leave their, they'd drop their offering at the door? Before they even approached God to get something from God, they actually said, God, I come to give, not just to get. And my heart's going to be one of gratitude, not of selfishness. I know I'm being strong on this today, saints, but I'm telling you, it's a weird thing to be the most blessed people on the planet. America is blessed beyond any other country in the world. China's experiencing revival, and guess what? They're also experiencing an economy. Anybody know where we borrow most of our money from? China. Tell me there's not a connection there. There's a connection, and Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 says it. It's he who gives you the power to get wealth that you might establish his covenant on the earth. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Funding that doesn't mean you got to give everything, but just be faithful to do something. Give from what you have. Be faithful to see the gospel advance and watch how God will bless you, because I promise you, you will. Now, the second thing here is I will intentionally serve others. That we all can't go to the mission field, we all can't launch out and like go to Africa or, you know, some of you may want to go do that, but you understand what I'm saying. We live here, and so how can we affect the gospel 
around the world. Go into all the world and make disciples is what that scripture said. So how do we do that? We give to help support missionaries. Matthew 20, 27 through 28 says, And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, a propitiation, the purchase price. Let me say, we're talking given to the point of his whole life. And when we think about giving an offering to a missionary or, or being supportive of, of the preaching of the gospel, in all honesty, that's nothing in comparison to laying your life down and dying for people. Could you agree? And guess what a lot of missionaries do when they go over there? You're going to hear a little bit more about that come the spring, about what's called the 1040 window. You're going to hear about places. We look at Iraq right now where Christians are they're being beheaded. And I don't know if you know, but ISIS seized the most Christian city. They went in and seized the most Christian city in Iraq. What do you think's happened to those people right now? And so we need to be a part of helping our brothers and sisters around the world where it comes to the gospel advancing. Number three, I will intentionally share Christ. This is a personal mandate to each of us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Just like I made the appeal to the atheist, and, and it seemed unorthodox the way I did it, but it spoke to him because he knew that he was communicating that way. Amen? Luke 14.23 in the Living Bible says this, Go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Mark 16, 15, version of the Great Commission, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Why? It's the power of God unto salvation. If it's not being preached, if the message isn't being shared, then people can't come to it. That's why the whole thing in the workplace, don't share Jesus in the workplace, you'll get fired. Don't share him in schools, you'll get in trouble. You know, I remember Danielle being a little girl and having her Bible at school during free, free reading time. And, uh, and they, the teacher told her she couldn't read her Bible. You're not allowed to read your Bible at school. And she came home and told me, Daddy, I'm not allowed to read my Bible at school. I said, really? Who said that? My teacher. I said, oh, okay, no problem. So I went in and I talked to the principal. I said, I'd like to meet with the teacher. I wasn't mean. I just said, look, the whole thing is you can't affect one way or the other on my child, whether they, you don't tell them to read the Bible and you can't tell them they can't read the Bible. As a matter of fact, you told her that, that people would make fun of her if she read the Bible. So you all can figure out how you want to deal with this, but I know you need to stop doing it. We got an apology from them. Amen? But let me say, in America, things are moving more and more towards the place of being told that you can't share and uh, censoring what can be shared from the Bible. So while we have freedom now, we ought to exercise it to share the gospel that people's hearts would be changed and that they would be open to see Jesus, to see the Bible back in schools. You know, violence went off the charts when they took prayer and Bible reading out of schools. Why? We weren't, we weren't making disciples. We weren't teaching people to love God and love others. Now what do they do? They love themselves. And they'll mistreat others. Why? Because God's not in the equation. <clears throat> so why do we want to live in such a way to leave a legacy? 2 Corinthians 9, 8, once again. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now, why do I say that? I think everybody in here already embraced. They don't want to be poor. You don't want to be poor in friendships. You don't want to be poor 
in lodging and food and finances and, and transportation. And nobody in here signs on to be poor, right? Or not have. And the, the, the quickest way to increase in your life is to partner with the one who owns it all. Because the Bible says the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen? Amen. And when we, we're in covenant with him, a part of his calls, he'll give us the power to get the wealth we need so that this is being fulfilled. We have enough to give in every good work. He ties you having enough to giving into every good work. And let me say, where the gospel's being preached, it's a good work. So here's, here's what I want you to write down at this point. We're going to look at some of our missionaries. There is more to this life than this life. There's more to this life than this life. If we only live for this life, what we'll find is, if we'll stand before the Lord, where we give an account, by the way, and we're rewarded according to what we have done, when that moment comes, what will you have when you stand before the Lord? What investment will you have made in advancing his kingdom? I don't want to stand empty-handed before the one who gave me everything. Amen? Amen? All right, I want to show you. So uh, we have a number of missionaries. I want to show you these guys and gals. Uh, we have Doug and Karen Thomas. Doug and Karen Thomas, and they have a ministry uh, that involves strategic uh, field planning, uh, meaning for uh, church growth in open Bible churches, 16 Spanish-speaking nations, including Mexico, Spanish-speaking nations of the Caribbean and Central America, eight countries of South America, Spain, and Brazil, and giving oversight to major projects and coaching and training for church planters, evangelists, and church leaders. <clears throat> you have Mike and Kathy Brandt. Mike and Kathy Brandt are the directors of Puente de Amistad um, and uh, a Bridge of Friendship in Tijuana, Mexico. I've been there. I mean, it's a great work in Tijuana where they're reaching out, um, a base where visiting groups so we, we can take missions teams down there. We're talking about taking our youth uh, there next year. And so um, that's something that we, we really uh, encourage you to pray about whether you'd support them. Uh, the Brants also mobilize teams and individuals for projects such as building homes for the poor who have uh, migrated to Tijuana from other parts of Mexico. Now, here's the interesting part about that. Like, uh, going over there, they have all the lodging, and they can cook all the food. So you have this base, and it's actually a compound, so it's enclosed, so there's safety for our teenagers and stuff like that. But, uh, but we can build houses for, for families. And so they, put all, they get all the package together. We just uh, help raise funds towards that. Bill and Faith McConnell, they're in Mexico as well. Um, so they, they minister to uh, women and juvenile prisons and see many lives transformed by God's love and power. Uh, they purchased a six-acre ranch and established a drug and alcohol rehab center where uh, over 80 men are now recovering from drugs and alcohol. Now, by the way, when they do that, one of the things they do is they, when, when they go through recovery, they, they help them to learn a skill or trade so that they go back to their families and, and their fathers back in their families rather than, uh, than being broken families. Uh, the Ukraine, Tammy Swales. Uh, Tammy's, uh, Tammy Swales' passion is Christian education on the mission field. She loves uh, the languages, working cross-culturally, coordinating translation teams, setting up systems for operating, uh, training leaders, making books, visiting groups, assisting groups, and promoting in-stay and theological discipleship and training system. 
in the Ukraine, Romania, Hungary, France, Spain, England, and Central uh, Asian countries. Hungary, Mike and Nancy Juttonen, who's been here before, and uh, um, Mike and Nancy Juttonen's passion is to help train the next generation of uh, pastors and leaders in Hungary through Instay and Theological Disciple Training System. Uh, God is doing a, tr- a tremendous work among uh, R- Roma, uh, the gypsies, if you will, uh, people in Hungary. Trinidad, Mike and Pam Lombard, uh, minister as directors of the School of Global Leadership. Trinidad, a missions training school that provides cross-cultural hands-on learning and, uh, and uh, living environment that helps people, excuse, should say, prepare uh, students in, oh, propel students into leadership roles around the world. Trinidad is a great missions training environment with great diversity among uh, the religious, economic, and ethnic facets of life. This makes it a solid stepping stone for those interested in taking Jesus to the world. Uh, It's kind of a crossroads, if you will. Um, So many different uh, nationalities over there, and so they're able to be uh, immersed in a cross-cultural environment. Andy and Nancy Wagler. Uh, The Lord called Andy and Nancy Wagler to go to the people of the Islamic nation uh, with several unreached people groups. They share the love of Christ among the poor, ministering to them uh, through literacy, health, and other community development projects. Several of their Muslim friends have come to faith in Christ and now share their faith. I'll tell you what, we can't have enough people coming to Christ in Islamic nations, amen. Uh, Thailand, Mike and Dara uh, Ras, Rasavana, Rasavan, uh, Ras, let me get that right, Rasavan. Um, Mike and Dara's um, goals in tr- uh, is to train individuals to serve as leaders and pastors that will evangelize and disciple others and then send these individuals out to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, their desire is to partner and support 1,000 pastors and evangelists by 2040 and begin 50 new open Bible works in 2020. Um, the other thing about Dara, she, they, they work with uh, um, freeing people from sex trade. Uh, they, I think over 100 young ladies and, and young men that they've actually rescued out of uh, the sex trade in uh, those countries. So they're looking to up that. Uh, they have to be very careful because they're living there. And so they don't necessarily put that on all their literature because if it is known, then they become a target for those groups that are making money off of of the sex trade. Um, And then uh, the Gideon Force, what that is, as you see all these missionaries, um, we ask you to just pray and consider supporting uh, one or more of the missionaries, whatever's on your heart to do. Um, It is something we will be talking about through the month of November. By the end of November, we would ask that you, you would uh, have made a commitment and basically for the next year because missionaries need to know, like, what, what is our commitment to them for them to be over there and uh, be able to stay there. And so it's important to give them that. Uh, the next one's called Gideon Force, and this is a goal that, that whether you support missionaries this way or you support them through Gideon Force, Gideon Force is more our general missions fund. If you're like, you know, I see all those, but, but you know, I want to give to something general where it could be a benefit to, to all the missionaries or whatever. So that fund also helps us. Let's say that a missionary has an emergency and they need to come back uh, or there's a need that they have over there, then we're able to take from that fund and also help. Sometimes people go through difficult times after they made a commitment to give to a missionary. When that happens, then they're like, hey, Pastor, you know, I, I want to follow through with my commitment, but this has happened, and, and so... You know, I lost my job and I got to find a new job. 
So what Gideon Force also does is that we'll subsidize so that we don't tell the missionary all of a sudden, hey, I know we committed this to you, but we can't follow through with that year-long commitment. Uh, so what we do is we, we'll, we'll fill the gap on that if it's necessary. Um, then we have the Gateway Network. That's church planting. So if your heart, you, you're passionate about church planting, uh, you give into the church planting, and uh, those funds go to help establish uh, the churches we've already planted, um, as well as goes towards future church planting. I mean, School of Ministry, that's a leadership development here. Uh, our in-state program and other things that are taught to those who see themselves in being in ministry, uh, be it bivocational, uh, vocational, or uh, what we call lay ministry. So uh, it's, it's training that's necessary so that you're able to, to teach others the Word of God. Uh, MVP to MVP, uh, being a good Samaritan, if you will, that's where we give towards clean water. We did a well about a year ago um, for a whole community. And so they have a church that's located in Africa. Uh, I think we raised $6,000 through all of the Gateway Church Network churches. And they dug that well. And now that's where the whole community comes out. And there's a church that's right next to the well. So it provides the clean water for the community to drink. And it's also where the church meets. And so it becomes that central place that people gather and the gospel can be shared. Um, it also goes to help fight the trafficking. So where we can send money to um, those that are being trafficked both in sex slavery and then also um, in just uh, you know, sweatshops, if you will, around the world where kids are sold by their parents um, as la uh, slave labor. Or they're sold, and, and a lot of these parents are duped into thinking that they're selling their kids and they're going to be working in a factory or something. And lo and behold, they're actually being sold and then taken into sex slavery. So that's, that's another thing. If that's something that you want to give into, MVP to MVP is a place that you can do that. Uh, John, uh, Barry and uh, Karen Kegge, uh Wycliffe Bible Translators, uh, they have been doing that for years. Uh, they were sent out of uh, Gateway Church what, 30 years ago, I guess that would have been the, the father. Karen's father went to Peru, and they translated the Bible um, into the different dialects in Peru. And uh, they completed that mission, but of course they're continuing to translate the Bible. So if, you're, if your passion is to see um, the Bible translated into other languages uh, so the gospel can be shared around the world, then uh, that's, that's something you can give to. Um, and then finally, Wayne Goodrich, which is our... our uh, champion of missions. He's going to uh, come at this point. Uh, he's a part of Ames. We had Howard Fultz in a number of times. Uh, Ames has a focus on um, basically the mission strategy is working mobilized global church on every continent to adopt the remaining unreached people groups. So what they call the 1040 window. And Wayne's going to share a few minutes on, on what that's all about and then some of the new things we're going to be doing where missions is concerned. So we don't have to have such a long Sunday uh, like we do every year, a couple times a year, um, because we're actually going to change up the format of how we uh, pursue missions as a church, and he's going to share some of that new structure. Thank you. Yeah, I, I shared last week about uh, more about what I've been doing with Ames. Uh, I wanted to share a little today about uh, just, well, Last week I touched a little bit on just how God called me out of the Air Force to be involved in missions and especially to unreached people groups and the 1040 window and those parts of the world where the people haven't heard. Uh, and so, uh, you know, after coming to Gateway a few months, uh, I, I came to Pastor Derek and started to talk to him about 
you know, what's happening with the missions program and starting to kind of bring to him a few ideas about what we may or may not do with the missions program. Uh, and so, you know, he and I began to dialogue and he shared some ideas with me. And so I want to share with you a few of the things that we're talking about uh, implementing in the coming year and in the future with our missions program. So if I can get that first slide. So as I was praying with Pastor Derek about it, uh, the other slide, please. Uh, the, the thing that God started to speak to me about as we were talking and processing some changes is God gave me this verse out of Isaiah 49.6, uh, where the prophet Isaiah, speaking of God, says, he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end, ends of the earth. And really, as Pastor Derek was talking a lot about Abraham this morning, it's really this same message that even, you know, we talk a lot about the Great Commission in Matthew and how Jesus talked about how he was establishing his church and that we were going to go to the ends of the earth and that, you know, we, that just the, in giving the Great Commission, uh, he was giving us that command to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But uh, we should remember that all the way back in the book of Genesis, God, you know, God began to speak to Abraham even back then and to say, I will bless you. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Mm -hmm. And really, that's God's heart, that not just that God kind of saves a remnant, and like this verse talks about, you know, his plans for us aren't just that we hold on to our salvation and we try not to lose our faith, uh, but that God, even from the beginning in Genesis, his plans were that the gospel was going to go to the ends of the earth and that all the people of the earth, are going to be blessed through through God's plans for us and what he's trying to do through the church. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love that God was speaking to me up out of that verse because that's really a lot of what my heart is, that as a body of Christ here at Gateway Church, that we figure out what God has for us to be involved in missions. And it's not just something every now and then, maybe once a year, we hear about the missionaries and we pray about, you know, which missionaries should we support. But I want to share about a few things that we're going to be doing. So if I could have the other slide. Uh, one of the things that we're going to start doing is we're going to do a monthly missions moment. And it'll probably be like a 10-minute message uh, on the last Sunday of every month. And then also we're going to do a quarterly longer message. So every three months there will be a sermon that's really about missions. And some of what's going to be, really both of those are going to incorporate a mix of what God is doing in the world today in missions, stories about what God is doing. You know, we hear a lot in the news about what's happening around the world, but we really don't hear uh, what God is doing in nations. And so we're going to do more of that, of sharing what's happening all over the world. And I have the privilege of being involved in that. So I, I love to have the opportunity to share with everyone here some of the neat things that God is doing. Uh, and so that'll be a mix of you know, education, state of the world, how are we doing as the body of Christ in completing the Great Commission? We're going to look at some of the really neat things that have happened in just the last 50 to 100 years on, on the, the whole global scene of what, uh, how the church has done in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're going to share some, hear some great stories 
about what God is doing in the Islamic world today and different parts of the world that we don't tend to hear much about, but there are amazing things happening. And so, uh, and then in those quarterly uh, longer messages, we're also going to start to get uh, updates from our missionaries. So, uh, Pastor Derek really wanted that to be in the form of a video update. So probably how that'll work is every three months, we'll probably hear from two or three of the missionaries where they, we ask them to share a video with us about what's happening. So we'll get to see their faces, hear what's happening right now where they are. And so that'll be a part of what we start to uh, let everybody know what's going on and we'll be able to see that. And then two... Uh, we're, we're also going to be doing an annual assessment with our missionaries. So the heart of that really is we have limited funding for missions, and we want to we evaluate what's happening with that. So what we're going to do is once a year check in with our missionaries and say, we want to know what's been happening in the last year. And we also want to know what your goals are. What are your objectives, and how do you plan to accomplish them so, you know, what are your plans for the upcoming year? What kind of activities are you planning to be involved in? What are you trying to start up? What stages is that in, you know? Um, and then we also will know how to pray better for our missionaries. So we're going to do a better job of just knowing what's going on, sharing with everybody how we can all be involved, what we need to be praying for, what's happening with our missionaries and what they need. Uh, and so all of those are things that we're going to start to do a little better in the in time, and, uh, and hopefully we'll have some other things starting as well. Um, I think there will be a point where we start to see, find more ways to get involved. Maybe we'll start to have some regular get-togethers to pray for missions and what's happening, um, and, and for people that can come and join that can be a part of that. And so we want to see lots of things being developed like that. So, Amen. Uh, and I, I also wanted to make just one quick note. Um, you, you actually, when you go to the Mission Ventures page on our website, you won't, uh, you, you see my name at the moment, but you won't. Uh, and it's mostly because uh, I, part of my work with Ames has me going to countries like China and India and Turkey and Cambodia and countries that uh, are really nowadays getting more and more careful about who they give a visa to. And things are closing down in a lot of countries in a way that we haven't seen in the past. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's important to keep information off the Internet that shows about my involvement in missions. So my Facebook page, we don't have a website that talks about things like that. So we really try to keep a low profile so that when we apply for a visa and those people search the web for who we are, they don't find a lot of information like that. And so that will come off the website soon. And so... It's just good for you guys all to understand that. So. Yep. yep. Excellent. Okay. Here's what's important. Um, again, a strong message about being givers, being a part of what's going on with the Great Commission's concerned today. Um, my passion where it comes to giving has never been about coercion. It's about conviction. So um, it's important to me that we don't ask you to turn the cards in today. Because, you know, Americans, all you got to do is slap a, a kid with some mud on his face and, you know, sitting on a, you know, on a pile of trash and guilt them into giving. The Bible is very clear about why we give. God loves a cheerful giver, isn't that right? Doesn't mean, remember, Jesus invites and he does what? He challenges. I'm challenging you today. 
don't go home and like just let the message drop off. It's like, okay, I heard that message, you know, and I felt guilty, and so I feel better now. <laughs> you know? No, we don't want it to be that way. We want you to take it home and pray over it. Look, if God tells you to give something, you know, give it. If you don't feel like the Lord's telling you to give, the last thing we want it to be is, oh, I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, I feel guilty about it. That's not what we're asking for. We're asking you to have a relationship with God where it comes to the Great Commission. That we don't just say, I love you, and we don't put action to it. But whatever that action is, it needs to be something that you do out of joy to be a part of God's work. Can you all say amen to that? So let me, let me pray for you and let you go today. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that your son has done for us. Lord, I just I pray today that as we go home, that Father, we don't go home in guilt. Uh, no matter how challenging it was today, we don't go home in guilt. But Father, we go home with a sense of conviction that we want to be a part of what you're doing. And whatever that is, Lord, I ask you to speak to your people. And that, Lord, over the next few weeks, that uh, there will be that time. And then, Lord, whatever we commit to our missionaries, Father, uh, our yes is yes and our no is no. We follow through with what we commit to them, God, because you have followed through with everything you've ever committed to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for the extra time today. Like I say, we changed the, we're changing our structure so it's not going to be this overwhelming. And it'll be a little bit as we go. God bless.